Well, good morning. I'm Russell Gant, and my guest is pianist and conductor David Gralsamer, who will be leading the Sarasota Orchestra in concerts this weekend. He's recognized as one of the most adventurous and imaginative artists of today. He was named Young Musician of the Year at the French Music Awards just a few years ago and has since gained international acclaim for his approach to music, especially with his fascinating programs that frequently juxtapose works from the past and present. Welcome to Sarasota. Hello. And juxtaposing works from the past and present. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, it's it's really one of the most uh, important things to me uh, as an artist, as, as a classical musician, because I feel that um, so many times in classical music, um, we have the different styles and different periods that are, you know, kind of uh, each one in their corner. And there are not many meeting points or not enough to, to my to my taste. Um, and so I do feel it's kind of my responsibility to try and bring together these different ideas that are in classical music. So, for instance, you know, uh, to bring together some Baroque music with some contemporary music uh, or to bring uh, together maybe a, a piece from the classical period by Mozart with uh, something from the early 20th century like Stravinsky or Bartok. Uh, I, I do feel that when you're able as an artist to create uh, a bridge between separate worlds or worlds that don't have the uh, usually the opportunity to meet, if you're able to do that, that's you know, when you're kind of fulfilling your mission as an artist. So do you look for, for direct uh, links, like, say, the, the uh, Rameau that inspired Respighi for the birds? Uh, I mean, do, do you look for those sort of things or a little more out there? Well, that, the, the great thing about, you know, um, um, going with this approach is that you can, you can do a little bit, uh, you know, of, of the two kinds. You can do direct connections so like you just mentioned uh, you know or obviously uh, you can play some uh, Mozart and Haydn from the classical period and then um, as I said before you can connect it to kind of neoclassical pieces from the early 20th century these are kind of easy connections Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe the more interesting thing is is to create connections between between worlds that are really apart, that that's usually, you know, I think about it a little bit like encounters in life. You know, sometimes you meet somebody you were never supposed to meet or that you never thought you would meet. Uh, and then this meeting can change your life. And and this, this, I think, has happened to each and every one of us at some point or will happen. Um, and, and it's really the kind of, it's the same thing with, with arts. Um, you, you, you can take two composers or, or two styles of music. It doesn't have to be classical music. You know, it can be, you know, classical and folk, classical and jazz, um, sure. et cetera. And, and, and you let them meet. You create, you are the one who facilitates that meeting point. And if you're able to do that, many other unexpected things will happen. That's, that's a great thing about it. My guest is conductor and pianist David Graltzamer. He's leading the Sarasota Orchestra this weekend in a program that includes Rameau, Debussy, Webern, and Mozart. And I want to hear how they specifically tie together in a minute. But first, would you play something for us? Sure. I'll start with uh, a sonata by Scarlatti. This is uh, sonata in E major. All right. Here is uh, David Graltzamer playing live on classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9.
pianist David Grossheimer playing live on Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. We heard the Sonata in E major by Domenico Scarlatti. Now, Mr. Grossheimer will be conducting the Sarasota Orchestra as well as playing a Mozart concerto. It's this weekend in a program called Setting New Courses. Now, is that your title? I actually I, I I don't remember who, whose title it is, but uh, the the great thing about the the, the program is I, I guess there are two things. Uh, um, one, and it's regarding the, the title, um, is is what what I'm always very much interested in um, are beginnings of new ideas. I think that's always a very interesting interesting thing to look at. Where do ideas begin? Where do new movements, new schools? Um, new possibilities, new paths. And in classical music, you have a few composers um, who have really started new um, ways of thinking. You have many composers. If you take a composer like Mozart, uh, he's he's a composer I love, maybe the composer I love the most. Um, <clears throat> but I, it would be hard for me to say that he, you know, started a new kind of language or a new kind of path. He, path, he, he really was doing what um, what everybody else was doing, but probably a million times better because he, he was a genius um, and nobody else could write like him. Uh, however, you have composers, and if you take like um, if you take Debussy, uh, who truly, you know, separated themselves from everything else that had been happening in classical music and invented. A new language, um, and and it's not that often in, in the classical music world that you can see that. Um, Webern, who we have on the program, he's another composer who did that, and so that's that's one thing. Um, th- these new ideas, and and the other thing is that I I thought it would be interesting not just to juxtapose composers from uh, the I would say new era like Webern and Debussy with composers from old era like Mozart and Rameau. I thought it would be interested to go even further and uh, juxtapose also their culture. So we have the French culture, the Parisian culture. Um, that's on the first half with Rameau, French Baroque, who was also, by the way, a, a very, very interesting character. And, and he invented a lot of new things. Um, and after that, we have Debussy, who's basically 150 years later in Paris as well. And then on the second half, we have a completely Viennese uh, a program with Webern, who also invented a completely new language with, you know, uh, composers like Schoenberg and Berg. Um, and he was really kind of at the forefront of the new right. uh, new language. And after that, we finish with uh, Mozart Piano Concerto Number 17. What is the Webern piece you're playing? The Webern piece is his symphony. He wrote a symphony, uh, Opus 21. Uh, and what I like about it first is that, um, you know, in the title symphony, we, we have so many connotations and so many thoughts of, you know, the symphony is this big, long piece that, you know, develops many themes and it's very majestic and it's very rich. And and with these composers, like Webern or like with Debussy, they took those uh, old forms and completely transformed them. And and this is really what I, I admire about these kind of uh, composers who were so uh, free in their mind, is that they, they took old forms but didn't settle for what had been going on for 200, 300 years. So this symphony is actually very short. It's about eight or nine minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's very minimalistic. It's, it, you know, they're just very small things happening, and it's like, 
colors and and little stars and light and and it's it's not this humongous symphony like we I guess we're used to from the 19th century with Brahms and Tchaikovsky this is a very I also I love in general in art I love miniatures and I think uh, to write a symphony in a miniature style is something uh, quite extraordinary so something like Philip Glass would do well this, you know composers like Schoenberg and, and Webern and Berg they really set up yeah they, they set up you know the, the, the path to all these composers that came later whether it's you know the American composers as you mentioned mm -hmm. in, the, in the 1960s but also all the European composers around the same time who were doing something completely different but all were inspired by people like Webern and all were inspired by Debussy and Ravel um, probably much more than Beethoven and Mozart and Haydn by that point. My guest this morning is pianist David Gralsamer, who is conducting the Sarasota Orchestra this weekend. Uh, Ligeti, you're going to play now. Uh, tell me about this piece. Well, <clears throat> this is a piece uh, I recorded a, f a few years ago. It's a very short piece. It's about one one minute, one or two minutes. Um, and it's part of um, this, this longer piece. It's just one movement from uh, Musica Ricercata, which is... Um, um, which is which is a, a you know a kind of a very early piece by by Ligeti. It was written in the 1950s when he was still in Hungary, and then he fled and and had to um, you know leave um, Hungary <clears throat> behind and went to Western Europe. And and this is kind of a still a very I would say on one hand classical piece, but on the other hand you can already hear. Uh, a modern approach about it. Later on, he became much more of a contemporary composer. But this this short piece is really kind of a little glimpse into, you know, Ligeti that's kind of torn between two worlds, you know, still the very classical, rhythmical, very inspired from Stravinsky, and kind of a new era that opens up. Uh, now to new music. All right, so Ligeti's uh, Musica Ricercata number eight, played live on the radio by pianist David Graltzamer on Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. <laughs> Great. The uh, Musica Ricicata number eight by uh, Ligeti played live here on Classical WSMR 89.1 and 103.9. Pianist David Gralsamer playing. Uh, he'll conduct the Sarasota Orchestra this weekend with a program called Setting New Courses. Tickets and information are available online at sarasotaorchestra.org. Now on this concert, uh, you're not just conducting, but you're also playing. You're going to play a Mozart piano concerto. Uh, what kind of challenges... Uh, does that bring conducting and playing at the same time? 
Well, it's 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 a great challenge. It's uh, it's very rewarding for the performer because, um, on one hand, you have to be with the orchestra and, you know, like a conductor would need to be with the orchestra, really kind of leading the orchestra and and making sure that, you know, rhythmically and uh, harmonically and then everything, everything is, is working, everything is in place and you're really uh, with your musicians there. On the other hand, you have to be the soloist and so you have to be in your own world, kind of in your dreamy, uh, uh, you know, kind of on your planets. Uh, and, and, you know, to reconcile those two things, it's a great challenge because you have to be with the musicians and, you know, like you would be in a chamber music group, really kind of as, you know, they're performing. And on the other hand, you have to be the soloist. So um, how does one reconcile those, those two worlds? And, and I think that the, the, the um, interesting part about playing and conducting is that you really have to think like you're part of the orchestra. And that's, on one hand, a great challenge. And on the other hand, it really makes you um, closer to the orchestra. And and when you're playing and conducting, you're not the soloist, really. You're not the conductor, really. You're really part of the orchestra because the piano is inside of the orchestra. It's not in its usual setting, kind of outside of the orchestra. It's really inside, like one of the instruments. And all the musicians are around you. They're really very, very close to the piano. And so it's really like you're an orchestra player and you play with the orchestra. And I, I like it because I always thought that in those Mozart piano concertos, the right approach is not to think, oh, I'm the soloist and there's this group accompanying me. It's really the Mozart concertos are so rich in their musicality and so ingenious, um, so um, beautifully built in every kind of aspect that the piano is part of the orchestra. Mm. And and so if you think about it this way, it's great. The other um, <clears throat> challenge, which is more to the, I guess, f for the musicians of the orchestra is that they don't have somebody with the baton there kind of waving and doing all sorts of things, telling them, oh, here, bassoon, you have to come in here, horn, it's, it's your turn here. They're on their own. Because, you know, I'll be conducting in some parts, but in some other parts, I'll be busy with my two hands. So they'll be on their own. And I think that uh, brings a situation in which they need to have complete responsibility on what they're doing. I'm not going to be there for them. And and that's actually kind of a uh, a way to to really be together because everybody is so alert. Yeah, they're focused. Yeah. The, the focus is so huge. Uh, you know, there's no room for mistake. You're, you're on your own. Everybody, all of us are, you know, there. We, we have to be on our own and each and one, uh, every one of us for the other also. So um, it's a great challenge for me. It's a great challenge for them. And, and I, I think it's a, it's a great way of making music. So. And I suppose this is really the way Mozart intended it anyway. That is the way he performed them. Absolutely. And there's so many things that we forget used to be uh, kind of the way of uh, classical composers like in Mozart's time, they would do it. Uh, definitely, you know, Mozart would perform his piano concertos from the keyboard. There yeah. would definitely not be a conductor. That would be a ridiculous thing right. at that time. The other thing that uh, that I do, I think, that relates to that time is uh, with the cadenzas, which, as you know, these are the little um, short 
piece that pieces that come at the end of uh, most movements in which the pianist is all alone by himself playing uh, these cadenzas. In, in today, uh, most pianists, they play a cadenza that's written for them or that, you know, uh, some editor has mm. written or even that some famous composer has written. Uh, in Mozart's time, these cadenzas, these little solo pieces, they would be improvised. They would be written or improvised definitely by, by the performer uh, live. And so... Uh, that's also something that I like to do. I'll, you know, have my my own cadenza Great. live in in the concert hall. It adds obviously excitement. It adds kind of a little ambiguity to the performance. And and that's really we forget that the all of these composers all the way to the 20th century before they were great composers, they were great improvisers. Um, this is also why why I think jazz music is actually very close to classical music is because. At the end of the 19th century and early 20th century, we, I think we forgot that big part of our classical music culture is improvisation, is kind of live performance. Sure. And this was taken up later on by jazz musicians, by folk musicians. And today it's kind of a lost thing. So I try a little bit in my performance. I think whoever comes will be able to notice there will be some very kind of lively <laughs> uh, things that happen on the spot that were not really rehearsed before. And these concerts taking place this weekend with the Sarasota Orchestra. Information is online at sarasotaorchestra.org. I guess another advantage, too, about uh, conducting from the piano is you don't have to worry about the orchestra and the conductor throwing a different piano concerto at you. Did you hear <laughs> about true. Maria? Yeah, yeah, I know this uh, this, this great <laughs> video. Um, uh, that, that's that's very true. But, you know, I, I, I think that uh, maybe the most interesting thing about playing and conducting is that it creates such a intimate relationship between yeah. an orchestra and a conductor, which would never happen. You know, when you come, sometimes I come just as the soloist and I'm not the conductor. You just come basically a day before the performance. You rehearse for an hour and a half, you know, then the day of the concert and then you leave. And here you really have the opportunity to make music with the musicians. It's, it's, it's a great thing. And you'll rehearse with them for the first time, I guess, later today. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Okay. Yep. You, get a, you get a day to prepare. Yeah. I know you had a very long <laughs> flight last night. Uh, D David uh, just flew in early, early this morning from Geneva. And uh, so uh, thanks, certainly, for coming in and uh, sharing this with us. Uh, will you play one more piece for us? Absolutely. So this is a very interesting piece I, I really wanted to play for you. It's, it's a piece from a very early Baroque uh, by... Um, German composer named Froberger, who actually settled in Paris uh, later on in his life. Very early Baroque. I, I, I'm very much into Baroque music these days. I've, I've made a few recordings of Baroque music. And the interesting thing about this um, piece um, is, is that it was written in honor of a great, another great musician called Monsieur Blanche Croche, who's uh, who was a great uh, composer and performer of that time uh, in early 17th century. And uh, a few composers wrote in his honor um, because he actually died in a very strange way. He fell from the stairs. He was, he was walking, he fell from the stairs, and he just died on the spot. And so all the composers in Paris were so devastated by this loss of a great composer that I think you have three or four different composers that wrote in his honor um, these very solemn pieces. So this is a piece by Froberger, who was his student. Um, and I think at the end, that's maybe the, the most interesting part, at the very end of the piece, uh, you will hear, um, 
that's what I think at least, the, the, the great master who's falling down the stairs and uh-huh. disappearing. So this is um, uh, Tombeau sur la mort de Monsieur Blanche Croche by uh, Frauberger. All right. And playing live on Classical WSMR here once again, pianist David Gralsamer. Falling down the stairs at the end. Yeah. Yes. Uh, music by Froberger. I'll let you say the, the, the title. I didn't quite catch it. The tombeau. Of uh, Monsieur Blanche-Croche. It's the, basically the homage to the death of Monsieur Blanche-Croche. Who was Froberger's teacher. Exactly. Okay. And that's uh, David Gralsamer playing live on Classical WSMR. He's conducting the Sarasota Orchestra this weekend, a program called Setting New Courses. Tickets and information available online at sarasotaorchestra.org. Uh, so uh, 
after these concerts, I know you're you're very busy, just flying into the country last night. What what's next for you? Um, well, uh, after this, uh, I have a recital in uh, Rome. Uh, which is very exciting. It's it's a city that <laughs> I love. I think we all yeah. we all appreciate very much. And um, with uh, my orchestra, I have an orchestra in Geneva. Uh, it's the Geneva Camerata. We we have a, a really big season. Um, we're just performing uh, uh, our tour, our first European tour, uh, a few weeks ago, and just had also a concert with the great flutist Emmanuel Pahu. Yeah. Um, and uh, in in just uh, one month, uh, just after the holidays, we are going to have um, uh, another concert that actually juxtaposes uh, classical and jazz music uh, with some uh, uh, jazz musician. And um, and after that, we continue with another concert with Andreas Scholl, the great countertenor. So it's a, it's a very busy season uh, for us and uh, some, some great uh, and crazy programs. And you mentioned before you played the Froberger there that you, you've... Uh uh, a deep interest in Baroque music, and you have a fairly new disc out of Baroque music. Yeah, uh, the last uh, last recording uh, I made solo recording is Baroque Conversations. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of a really a dialogue between uh, two worlds: the world of Baroque and the world of contemporary music, um, and with with a lot of uh, early Baroque and and uh, some some great masterpieces from kind of uh, unknown composers from the Baroque who are very, very radical composers. We, we tend to think, actually, of, of Baroque. Um, and, and by the way, I say that in relationship to our concerts here in Sarasota uh, with the Rameau, we tend to think of, of Baroque many times as kind of this old, very, um, I would say, uh, grand, uh, uh, very yeah, beautiful yeah. Yeah, music. And we forget it sometimes, and especially during that time, some of those composers were very, very radical and were experimenting new things that, you know, some of them were kicked out of courts, some of them were almost executed because they were, you know, Rameau, for instance, in, in France, he was hated by a big part of the establishment because he was inventing all sorts of new methods and uh, in the pieces we'll play uh, here with the orchestra, it's, you can really hear it, it's just overwhelming the new kinds of languages that he he invented and so uh, I'm interested in baroque because I think we many times we have the wrong idea about it and and actually it's very very modern this music is, is, is new and it's still very fresh and I think that playing it along with uh, you know pieces from the 20th century 21st century brings out this this kind of a dark side of baroque that I think we should look into much uh, much more in, in, in detail. It's 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 that's what I, I love about this music. It's it's yeah. sometimes crazy. The name of the disc again? This is Baroque Conversations. And that's from Sony, is it? And that's from Sony. Yeah, absolutely, Sony classical. yes. And right. it has it has by the way it has Rameau for piano and uh, it has a lot of you know different pieces by a lot of Baroque composers that uh, actually it was the first time that many of those pieces were performed on the modern piano. These pieces are usually performed on either harpsichord or organ, and so uh, I took those pieces and I really wanted to kind of 
give them a new life and play them on yeah. the modern piano. Well, David Gralsheimer, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. And best of uh, luck to you and the orchestra. Concerts this weekend with the Sarasota Orchestra. Uh, tickets and information on the concerts called Setting New Courses, available at sarasotaorchestra.org. Thanks also to our operations manager, Dustin Hapley, for engineering today's broadcast. And our thanks to Mirella Chimato-Smith for donating the funds that provided us with our Steinway piano here in the Sarasota Performance Broadcast Studio.